What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland a local sports bar we love. The ACO has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and they filled that space with tables and huge TVs and their full complement of excellent food. It's big, it's comfortable, it's a great spot to watch the NFL, the baseball playoffs, and Warriors games with other fans while still staying safe. I love this spot. I love their food, I love their space, I love their TVs. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and we hope you'll join us there. In fact, if I see anyone at the ACO in a huddle shirt, beer on me. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. Which of your two dunks did you like more? Man, I don't know. I like them both. They're both on cat, so... We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual. My boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dub Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Gentlemen, I am fired up to announce rejoining us after what feels like crazy long, the Golden State B-Rider for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who attends every single Warriors practice, shoot around, and game. And a guy who clearly looked up the word carabiner before our last podcast, just so that he could impress Maxime, Mr. Rusty Simmons. What's going on, Rusty? Nah, I appreciate you guys. When it comes to tree climbing, I'm going to look up the stuff. I mean, that upsets me. And I would no, jump down that rabbit hole. But instead of doing that first, we got to at least acknowledge. So our first video podcast, I'm a little nervous. It feels kind of strange and also quick admission. I don't know why this is true, um, but every single time I do any kind of a Zoom setting, I spend 95% of the time just watching my tile, just literally looking at like how I look at it, what my facial expressions are. So if I don't answer a question or something like that happens, my bad, I am apparently self-centered and pompous. There's nothing I can do. I'm upset that my tile looks like I'm being recorded on a VHS tape. I, I actually uh, really like that. No, it's, yeah. it's making mine look super clear and dope. It, I mean, you look better than Rusty, who just has his name and no video <laughs> up. So, you know, I mean, things could be worse. Not even a Warriors logo. Come on, Rusty. Yeah, Rusty, bring your shit. Although, to let the record reflect, 30 seconds ago when we said video, Rusty dropped off the call entirely. So let's just be happy. <laughs> he is still here. Rusty, to you. Now that you have somehow become closer with both Marcus and Maxine than I have, what's next like on your social agenda, dude? Like, are you going to try to convince my dog you're a better owner or something? I mean, I, I need to know where this is going. I mean, until any of this becomes like monetary, it, like we're not going to put video up there. You know what my video looks like. Bram, you've been in my condo before. It looks great there. We have paintings on the walls. This stuff would be great. I have built relationships with your team. Like it's all of this is good, but we gotta we gotta find some way to make this work, right? Oh, I mean, should we tell them now, boys, that we are getting paid and we're just not giving them? Uh, you know what? It's not <laughs> worth it. You just stay behind your black tile, Rusty. It is what it is, and let's uh, let's start with my favorite segment. It's the off the court report, and the idea is super easy. If you listen to this podcast, or if you watch this podcast now, which, by the way, Marcus, your image does look terrible, dude. It looks like you it wiped does. like Vaseline all of your camera, and it is very distracting. Luckily, I have this cool clay hoodie on, so we'll I, mean, I couldn't ride. tell who that is, dude. I have no <laughs> idea who that's an image of. Uh, but if you care enough about the Warriors to listen to this podcast, you sure as hell know what happens between the lines. But 
the advantage of having Rusty and the other beat writers who uh, come on this show is that they follow the team off the court. So for the off the court report, we give the mic to Rusty. Ask him to tell us about any stories he has from uh, recent coverage of the Warriors. Rusty, what do you got? This is my favorite one, and it it shows you how long it's been since I've been on with you guys. You guys do a great job, um, but it's been a while, right? So in late October, I was in Oklahoma City. The Warriors stayed in Sacramento the night before. It was during the, what they call it, like the atmospheric river or something like that. Oh, yeah, like, that. <laughs> The biblical storm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A biblical storm was going on. So they spent the night there. They got to Oklahoma City a little bit late. They had practice. And I sat there. They let us in at the end of the practices. And usually that's only free throws. Or maybe you can see like a three-on-three scrimmage between the young guys and some coaches. Basically nonsense that you can watch. But we watched a three-point shooting competition. And this is one of Andre Godala's things. Like, he goes to five points on the on the three-point perimeter and bets on each one of them. And he was going through it with Otto Porter. He was going through it with Juan Toscano Anders. He was going through it with Gary Payton. And it didn't matter who won the competitions. What I was watching was how they were treating Gary Payton. Gary Payton was already part of the team. And I'm not going to get ahead of it, the story and say that I knew he was going to be plus 100 in November, right? Like, but what I realized was he was already part of the team. They were treating him like he was part of the team. He was missing a shot here or there, or he was winning a spot, but they wouldn't let him win. And Otto Porter or Andre Godala would step up and say, no, you didn't make four. You didn't make four. We're going to the next spot. And finally, when they got to the left corner, Draymond Green, who's innocuously shooting free throws, says, I see you've been cheating Gary the entire time. (laughs) Gary made five at every spot. Gary won those. He won every single one of those. I know you guys are not going to pay up, but Gary won those. And to me, like that told me that he's part of the team. Andre Iguodala does not mess with you. If you're not part of the team, Draymond Green does not step up for you if you're not part of the team. And again, at that point, this is two weeks ago. At that point, there's no way I would have known that Gary Payton was going to be this big a part of the team. But I I got the sense that he was part. I love that. And I love the timing of it, right? I mean, it'd be real easy to have that story now after he's had, what, back-to-back-to-back big games. He's become a crowd favorite. He put on his own personal dunk show in that last uh, that last matchup. But where do you think it came from back in November? So we rewind the clock two weeks ago. None of those successes have happened. How has he established himself as a full-blown member? He's a 15th man who made the roster from the training camp. So what happened? I've been wrong about him for a long time. Like, um, everyone I talk to about him has a story. Like Kevon Looney the other day, who played at UCLA for half a year, says, I remember a 360 dunk that Gary Payton had. I was covering the Pac-12 at that point. I don't remember that. <laughs> so I, I don't know how Kevon remembers that, right? Like, it, it's it's kind of special. Um, Otto Porter talks about the couple days that Gary Payton spent in Washington, D.C. I'm from Washington, D.C. I don't remember that. Like, so Gary Payton, like, if you're in an arena with him, like, he makes an impact on you. If you're a teammate of him, he makes an impact on you. I don't remember it. Apparently, the NBA has not remembered it because for five years, he couldn't find a spot. You know, it but, turns out if you're in an arena or a city and your name is Rusty Simmons, he doesn't necessarily make an impact on you. But everybody right, else, right. he does immediately. And I, I'm the glad rest that we of have, you got it five years ago. The rest of you guys oh, got it. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. apparently you don't remember when I was screaming at you that they needed to take Avery Bradley, not GP2. So I, 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 you know, I may have missed this boat, too, but there's no need to focus on me. In fact, what I want you to do is use this camera. I'm going to have you watch me cross off this question. It was for later. And the question was, quote, now that Young Glove is killing it, does Rusty feel like an asshole for saying that he wasn't that good? So, you know, you've already answered it, man. Nicely played. He's better than we thought. <laughs> man, he's he's good. The other, the other night at the arena, I don't know why they did this. Uh, 
they usually at halftime they'll like show this replayed video of somebody on the Warriors team telling the audience to get up. And it's bad like in Chase Center because most of the arena is not back in the court after halftime. Um, but on this night, they showed Gary Payton on the bike getting ready for the game, right? Like he's in the third quarter huddle. Everybody else is there and he's on the bike just getting ready because he knows that six minutes he's going to sub in and the video camera goes to him live and he goes, let's go dubs like that. that And that lit the arena up. MT, you willing to admit you were wrong on this one? I remember you were with me on the Avery Bradley thing. It, it feels like a good time for the you know, apology tour for GP2. Yeah, it definitely was. I was all in on Avery Bradley. I was on the camp of Steph and Draymond are going to revolt because they didn't, management didn't listen to them. Um, so, you know, nobody saw it coming. I mean, it was, Houston was one of the five teams that cut him and, you know, he has a revenge game against them. So you didn't see it coming. You know, Gary Payton went to our alma mater high school. Um, I know GP2, you know, was grew up and raised in um, in Seattle, but you know, like you didn't hear much about him just being in the Oakland scene either. So he kind of came out of nowhere, at least for the circles that I, I know of. And, um, you know, he he played well last year, but not enough, not to this point. Like it just seems like out of nowhere that he now can jump like Vince Carter and play defense like his dad. You don't get this Venn diagram we're getting. You get the good story sometimes, right? Like the guy who's from a local, you know, high school or something, or his father played here, or someone who wasn't supposed to make the team who did, and then we root along with them. That's great, you know? And then we also have somebody who makes giant impacts who we also didn't necessarily anticipate making the impact. But this Venn diagram, we're getting both of those, you know? And you sprinkle in remarkably exciting player. So that... that um alley-oop he caught from Steph looked like a fucking Mario double jump. He literally looked like he needed three or four more inches uh, on the vert and then got those three or four inches after he had entered the air. So, I mean, he, he is deserving of all the intention and praise, and I can't wait to see where this story goes. I'm sure we all have a bunch of glass half full stuff. In fact, we've already kind of bled into it. But before we do, one more off the court report, and it's probably a bad one. But Draymond exited the last game with an injury. Rusty, what's up? Give us an update. Same. Um, it looks to me uh, from an outside observer, like a right outside the knee injury, which could be really bad. But the Warriors claim and protest that it is not. It is a right thigh contusion. Um, they stuck with that last night and again today. Uh, it sounds like he is day-to-day. Maybe he can come back. It's rough. I mean, you saw the game go from against Minnesota, the game he gets in, injured. You saw the game go from 20 points up to five points down. Um, if it was not a big deal, he would be back in that game. So, uh yeah. We got to figure that out, but they say it's a thigh bruise, um, so we got to believe them. It's it's the coach, the the doctor. <laughs> it, it it's everybody telling you that's all it is. So, got to think that's right. Have they said anything about even precautionary films? Right. I mean, so I and I like that they're coming out optimistic. It concerns me what you just said. Has there been any suggestion that he's lined up for an MRI or anything to to take a double look at this? Ice rehab, get back in the game. That's what they do with Draymond. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, th- there's some optimism to be had there. Uh, let's go. Let's do glass half full, boys. So for here, we look back at a recent stretch of Warriors basketball and pull out things we liked, we didn't like. Maxime, start us off. We haven't heard from you for a minute. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting. I feel like you're glossing over me when we're doing the Avery Bra- or the Gary Payton apology tour. We may recall in this four-man situation, I was the one predicting that Gary the Payton one. was actually going to make the squad. Yeah, no, no, there's nothing interesting the about one. that. It's obvious. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to fucking hear you crow. We just, mm-hmm. we, I, I, I just we, feel like I deserve some flowers here. No, you know, I don't. You get none. Avery, the How apology do we re- tour is okay. unnecessary. If I was the master of all things sound, not only would I cut this out entirely, I would go back to the portion where I threw it to you where we would hear your glass half full take. I don't even care anymore. I mean, oh my God. No, we don't. This isn't the hooray for Maxine podcast. 
<laughs> well, okay, I'll, I'll say um, instead of just celebrating Gary Payton some more with that unbelievable alley oop that you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, I think we got to go back. The real highlight from the past week or so was the 50 spot from Steph. Um, and, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to, to be in the building for that, right? And and the whole time when he was sitting at 45 and then 48, it felt so strange to me that he was still in the game when we're up, you know, more than double digits. It's It feels very unconventional. I'm used to seeing um, Steve Kerr pull clay when he's really hot, right? Like, you know, it doesn't matter if we're up big. You're like you're not you're not going to go out and you know make it to that 50 spot. So this felt like a really unique opportunity to actually watch him get all the way up there. And and for me, you know, it's not just beautiful that Steph got 50 and for the first time for any player this season in a in a game that has drastically reduced the overall score set. Um, I think it also speaks to something that I brought up earlier, which is Steve Kerr willing to be a little bit more flexible um, in how he subs people in and subs people out. I feel like the creativity that's coming off the bench is indicative of the fact that Steph actually got to 50. I remember earlier, and I, I should have brought this up before my bad uh, conversational whiplash, but I know that you backed Avery Bradley above GP2. Did you want to apologize to Gary Payton now that we have this moment or go fuck yourself? Oh, Max. we're still. Oh, I thought you were talking to somebody else because I uh, very heavily backed Gary Payton. So go fuck yourself. Thank you. I'll piggyback on the Steph having 50 thing, one of which you already mentioned. I love that Kerr relented to the moment. Uh, there's no need for him to put up the 50 spot, not for what they actually have planned for this year, but he could tell it meant a lot to Steph and meant a lot to the building. So to keep him in there, I enjoy it. And then here's another one, a, a random one, because it actually involves me doing some research, boys. So don't get used to it. But from what I can tell, even if we include that 50 point explosion, Steph has only scored 30 or more twice in the first 11 games. And the idea that they are now 10 and one, despite not having the kind of dominant performance we saw night in, night out last year. And I think it's pretty safe to assume he's still capable of it. And if they need to go to that, they can do it, is another just incredible stat that shows what the hell they have been up to this year. Rusty, what have you seen, man? Good, bad, otherwise, what's sticking out? If I'm doing uh, glass half full, I'll go with the most recent. Wiggins being insanely aggressive let's go and it was not only him being aggressive like i think he's being honest before the game he said this does not matter to me i don't care that i'm playing my former team they don't have any of the front office anymore they don't have Hmm. half of the players they have anymore i think he was being honest his teammates didn't care the warriors said we're feeding you We're giving you the ball. We're running plays for you. You are going to be aggressive tonight. And once he saw a couple shots go in, all of a sudden it was five, and then it was eight, and then it was ten. He made shots. And then all of a sudden he started getting aggressive. He was chasing the ball. He wanted the ball. He wanted shots. Um, And I think that's probably what, to me has been the most impressive thing about the Warriors. They pick those spots like they get it. They're going to give the ball to the person that matters that night. And and that is glass half full. Do you believe him, Rusty, that it didn't mean anything? So when you first started that and said that Wiggins went out of his way to say he doesn't care that it's Minnesota. And I get that the front office isn't there anymore. And maybe it's just me projecting, but I didn't believe it. You know, bullshit. He, he came with way more vigor than we normally see. But then you gave me an alternate reason for that. Momentum. You know, he, he starts off five for five. He starts feeling himself. And maybe that's why he takes off on cat twice. So do you believe him? You were there. You know this guy. Uh, do you think that all that motivation was just because he got it going? Or do you think there is a little extra FU for the Timberwolves? I think he's right. Like at the shoot around that morning, he said, I don't care. This team doesn't matter to me anymore. They don't, they don't have the same front office. They don't have the same ownership, right? Like it, it's not the, it's not the team that I was traded from. Like it doesn't matter to me. And that's probably right. Um, Now all of a sudden in the middle of the game, his teammates are feeding him. They're giving him the ball. They're saying, go get it. Now he starts to feel it, and he sees a couple of his former teammates. There aren't many of them, right? Uh, But he sees a couple of his former teammates, and he says, yes, I got it going, and my teammates give me the ball. Okay, now it means something. 
But I, I don't I, I think he's exactly right. I don't think he's lying to us. I think he he didn't care. I think he prepped for every game like he would. And it was just a random team on the schedule until his teammates started giving the ball. I can't remember a regular season dunk that got me more excited than that base slam or baseline rather slam on uh, on Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, I, I watched which, the replay which like one? Now 50 times. Two. Oh, that's, I mean, factually accurate. The uh, the one from the left baseline. Yeah, he cocked it back. Oh, exactly right. Goodness. It almost felt like Baron Davis. It was, I watched it so many times. I called my wife in. It was like, oh, hey, check this out. It took me a while to kind of cue up the highlight. And then she immediately said, I don't give a shit about this. And I have no idea why you called me in from the back room. But, it, you know, it was exciting for me, which is why I ultimately brought her in. MT, glass half full. What do you got? A uh, couple things. One, I think uh, just to pile on to the 50 spot for, for Steph, I loved that the Atlanta Hawks um, announcers were all on their feelings about it. You didn't see that? There was one announcer who was just like, I don't see why he had to go for 50. You have championships in <laughs> it. And he was so butthurt. It, it, it was, was, it was amazing. It was. Curry with the floater. I mean, okay, he's got 50. Is it really that big a deal? Obviously. I mean, you've won championships, you've been an MVP, you're going to the Hall of Fame. What's the big deal about getting 48 or 50? I don't get that. Yeah, they wanted that, and they make a quick foul to get him out of the game. Hey, being a player, I can see it. I see it. But you're up by... Yes, you're up by 20. You're up by 20. Before that shot, I mean, it makes no difference, you know. It was kind of dirty. <laughs> it was amazing. He was so upset, and it was just like, just you, it was funny. Like Trey Young loved it. is like Mister Show Off. What are they talking about? If you're going to pick any team that needs to shut up, if someone is deciding to go circus, it's Atlanta. I mean, that that's just yeah. a straightforward fact. I mean, Dominique the- Wilkins was the other you know, a uh, commentator and you could tell he kind of defended it. And he was just like, nah, if you have 50, you go for 50, but it was funny. Um, I agree. I think the, that, the Warriors, that dunk- the Warriors try to keep Steph to 31 to 33 minutes a night. And in games that they're trying to win on a night when he has 48, they left him in for 35 minutes. Like, come on. Yes. That is, that yeah. is a little dirty, right? Like, no, I, don't know. I think you go for it. But um, yeah, so there was that, I think, to answer your quick question of regular season dunk that had me hyped. I haven't been that hyped since that Harrison Barnes dunk. Um, I think it was early 2011, 12, 13, somewhere around there when he dunked on uh, somebody from the Timberwolves, too, coincidentally. But go back and look at that. That was a, a big moment. Um, but my half full kind of. What should I Google there, MT? Harrison Barnes on someone against the Timberwolves in a undisclosed year, 2012, 2013, 2014, something like you, that. You will have at least 20 videos to choose from. Yeah, if you that, was that, a, in. that reference was about as murky as the video of you I'm looking at right now. I mean, I'm going to need a little bit more specificity. here. Nothing is that murky, so don't worry about that. Factually um, accurate. And uh, my glass half full would be that a lot of people are writing off our um, 10 and one start to a favorable schedule. Even, you know, Iguodala kind of made that comment, but you look at the teams who um, by the metric of how you how what the strength of schedule is where we're now eighth. I mean, we have the eighth easiest schedule in the league and three teams who have had easier ones are the bucks, the Suns, and the Lakers. So the defending champion, the Vegas odds favorite over us, and then the defending Western conference champion. So you don't hear that talk from them. I know they've had a few players out, but we have clay out. So I love the fact that they're trying to poke holes and the fact that we're back because the last thing all those fan bases want is for us to be back and be relevant and playing this well. So to me, it reinforces that they're scared of us again. If they put us back on the pedestal, it's only out of fear. Of course. I mean, if, if they're looking for reasons why we're not dominant, it's because we are you know, dominant and they're worried about it. I'm going to give you one more half full. And then I have one that's a uh, half empty, Rusty, that I really need your opinion on. But here's my half full. And it's another one I'm excited about. So look, Warriors basketball is back. We, we've mentioned it in a lot of different ways. The joy is back. The ball movement is back. The almost positionless basketball is back. The switching on defense is back. 
All these things are back from the dynastic run. And what I want to point out and celebrate is somehow this locker room, Steve Kerr, this front office has maintained the Warriors culture, for lack of a better way to phrase it, despite two terrible shitbird, awful years. I mean, you know, in, in after two straight years where they you know, collectively had less than what, 30 wins a game. If you factor in the, um, the, the way that the season worked out via COVID, despite no success at all, these guys held on to all the successful motivation they built while they were going to the finals. That's not an easy thing to do. You know, I've rooted for this team when they had a momentum of, I don't know, losing culture where it seemed like they were never going to escape that malaise of the Cohen era. And now there's suggestion that they were so goddamn successful under Kerr early on that we can survive two terrible years, which I just love. You know, the the we're trying to become the new Spurs. It seems like we're at least, you know, a few steps towards that, if that makes any sense. Hell yeah, I'm hyped. If if we can if we can have a 20 year dominant run, like Sign me up, especially if you're coming from, you know, a Steve or a um, Greg Popovich disciple and Steve Kerr, right? You seem like you have a lot of the puzzle pieces lined up to actually pull that off. If you can lose for two years and still view yourself as a winner, if you can lose for two years and still play like a winner, if you can lose for two years and immediately re-enter the contending status, that's what culture means. You know, that, that nebulous phrase, they, they've achieved it. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt because it was a comment from somebody trying to make the roster, but Avery Bradley coming in and saying, Loved him. this is the best um, organization that he's been a part of, you know, like, um, you know, was it trying to be the 15th man, probably a healthy dose of that. But I think it also, there is some truth to it. And, you know, he played for other organizations that are notoriously known for being you know, good organizations, including the heat. So um, I think that just reinforces your point that Steve Kerr has done a great job. And so has the front office of even in down years, you still keep, you know, that the organization's values and, and the mission the same. And that permeates through even when you're not having a great year. It's that quote. I mean, I, I definitely remember because I remember it's one of the things that Maxine pointed out about why he liked Avery Bradley so much. I remember um, that. I think yeah. he read it like, I mean, almost word for word for yeah. word. So there you go. I mean, that it, it's cool that it came back up. Let's go to the glass half empty rest. Here's where I need your help. So not everything was rosy after the 10 and one record. There's videos now circulating out of a uh, bench fight between Draymond and Jordan Poole. No punches thrown. You know, it was just some some angry words it looked like. So any details for us, man? What what was going on there? How big of a deal was this? Should we be worried? I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't go empty on this. Um, I think this actually leads back to half glass full. Uh, I looked at this season as a really hard thing that Kerr had to do of – somehow meshing the old players and the young players, the championship players and the rookies, right? Like he had to somehow figure out a way to do that. Um, what he has found out is having Andre Iguodala back is great. And even more importantly, there are dudes that mesh the bridge. However you want to say that there are Gary Payton's of the world. There are Juan Toscano Anderson's of the world. There are Damian Lee's of the world, guys who have fought their lives to get into the NBA. And they're not going to let an argument between a veteran and a young player get in the way of what they want to accomplish this year. Um, we saw when this happened, Steph immediately puts his arm out, which is a, which is a new step, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Steph doesn't do that. Steph usually sits back and waits, and when it's time, he gets in. The three who are not part of the league, who have just figured out a way to scrap and claw their way into the league, were in there immediately. So there is a middle ground between the young sure. and the old. There, There is this group that is not going to let it happen. Um Steve Kerr talks all the time about there is going to be turbulence this year. There is turbulence every single year. 
it happened. A young player went at an old player. An old player went at a young player. That's going to happen. Neither one of them are going to back down. That's why they're great. One of the reasons that Draymond Green is great, he's he doesn't back down. One of the reasons why Jordan Poole is great is because he thinks he's the best player on the court. And he's playing with a couple of the best players in the world. That's what makes them great. But in between those two, they have three dudes who have scrapped and clawed their way into the league. They're not going to let this happen. Do we know what Jordan Poole said? Did he say, like, I'm not ever going to a Janet Jackson concert with you, Draymond? (laughs) I'm the best player on the floor is what he said. Yeah. (laughs) Probably. Probably. I haven't reported it out yet, so I I don't know. Um, What I know about Draymond Green is that he probably got mad at Jordan Poole about a defensive assignment, which is clear. Like, Jordan Poole missed the the assignment. And and they're – the entire team, coaching staff, Andre Iguodala, Steph Curry, all the time are getting on Jordan Poole. Like, if they're going to be good, Jordan Poole has to at least stay in his position on defense, right? Like, if they're going to be good, he has to do that. And so I bet that's what happened. And then I bet Jordan Poole said, come on, man, I can – I'm killing it out here, right? Yeah. Like, or something, you know, like, he probably went back at him, and Draymond doesn't like that. I, yeah. I would bet that's what happened. I'll let them explain it when they when they want to talk, but but I bet that's what happened. What I love about your read, Rusty, so there's a lot of challenges dealing with young and new players on the same roster, right? Of, of both developing talents that haven't had an opportunity to really find their game and pursuing a, uh, a championship at the same time. A lot of those challenges happen on the floor, you know, and Kerr is negotiating those. Some of them happen off the floor, just communication, how to deal with stuff, especially if you have someone fiery like Draymond. And so what we're seeing early on is them learning that stuff and what you just described that it, the, the, the second that the spark pops up, everybody who needed to get in between them got in between them, that they're already dealing with conflict the second it arises. It's not, you know, it's not getting in there and, and creating a wedge between them. Let me ask it's, this. And, and, it, and it should matter, Bram. Like, it should matter. Like, every possession should matter. They yeah. should be pissed off, right? Like, if somebody misses a defensive assignment, you should be pissed off. Is there? Are would, we concerned at all that this is precipitating Jordan Poole going to the Nets next year? No, no. We didn't call him a bitch. Fair enough. Well, well, and also Jordan Poole is like very coachable. He has linked up with Andre Gadala, and Andre will tell him like, "You, you don't shoot enough free throws." And the next day, he'll get to the line nine times or eleven times, right? Like he. He gets it. Like if if he respects you, if the coach if the coach tells him you have to be in this place on defense, you have to do this with your hands, you have to do this without fouling. He he does it. He's very coachable. Um, but somebody can't come at him in the moment because he he is actually a really good player, and yeah. you can't you just can't come at him. And that's what makes him great. Now, the person who came at him was Draymond Green, who also is great. <laughs> He's allowed to come at people. Yeah, so sure. it, it makes a really hard dynamic of two people going at each other. And that's why the Warriors have a chance to do something special where Steph Curry puts his arm out, where three players who are in the middle of young and old step in and say, hey, this is not – you can't mess with our salaries – let, let, let's figure this thing out. That's why I think the Warriors have a chance. I loved your description of GP2, um, the off-the-court story. And I love the description of, look, he's already a member of the team. Before he had this success, he's already a member of the team. Let me ask you this, and I'm a little worried about its answer. Is Jordan Poole already? You know, I mean, have you seen those same indications? Is he getting the same come-under-my-wing young buck love that you described for Jordan, or I'm sorry, for Gary Payton? Andre Iguodala loves him. Is that the end of that list? No, I mean I'm not. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna question anything that Andre likes. Yeah. Like if Andre Gadala likes him, if Andre Gadala wants to host him for a party, then then he's in, right? Yeah. Um, and and Jordan Poole has earned that. I shouldn't. I shouldn't just say it's only Andre. Like 
Jordan has earned that. Like he he's worked his tail off for three years and he's taken bad assignments and he's gone to the G League and he's done a bunch of nonsense when he knew that he was a good player. Um, and I'm probably wrong about him. Like I thought he was like maybe a good sixth man for the rest of his career, which you can make a lot of money doing that. Um, but he might be better than that. Like he's really good. You watch him and man, he is so talented offensively. He, he gets himself into positions that are really tough offensively. Like he, it's, it's really impressive. And the defense is going to come. Like, he's he's working on it. He's going to be better at it, I'm sure, as time goes on. Because the only thing that I have to base it on is history. And it sounds like he works. Like, all I've ever known of him is he works. So, I, I bet he's okay. His ability to effortlessly get to the rim with either hand reminds me randomly of Monte Ellis. Um, but a, a comparison that we can explore on a different podcast, Bob. So we got one more segment today. Um, it's one I'm fired up for. It's our five golden questions, our version of a mailbag. Generally speaking, they deal with the Warriors. Occasionally, they get fairly personal. Today, it's more uh, Warriors-based, I'm happy to say it. And one of them was already anticipated by Marcus. Rusty, I want you to keep the mic. I, I was going to ask you to follow up when MT said this earlier, but I'm going to ask you to do it now. Quote, how much of this early success is attributable to an easy schedule, right? So you heard uh, Marcus correct him. I guess it's no longer the easiest schedule so far. We're now down to eighth easiest. But, you know, the Warriors have a bunch of great rankings in a lot of things. They are first in offensive rating. They are first in defensive rating. But it sounds like they're also high up there on the easy schedule list. So you've watched a lot of Warriors hoop, man, um, including this year, are, is the 10-1 and record the result of this newfound skill that we are all talking about, or is it just a product of the teams they've played? A little bit of both. Um, largely the schedule, right? Like if you're at home for eight games and play no teams that are any good, you're going to have a good record. Um, what is remarkable about this team is I thought even with that schedule, that they'd be floating around 500 at this point. But they figured it out way quicker than I thought they would. And uh, so so there is something to give them for that. But but of course, like 10 and 1, they're not going to do that. I know that I know that Steph said earlier this year we're going to chase 82 and 0, but <laughs> that's not what they're doing, right? Like they're yeah. If they hadn't gotten fucked by Memphis, it could have happened. Yeah. One one bad game. Yeah. But but they're not going to do that. Like when they, when they play on the road, when they play good teams, the record's going to start to even out a little bit. But they've taken care of business. Andre Iguodala said the other day, like one of the points about a good team is you take care of business. They've beaten bad teams at home. That's what you're supposed to do. I think that their record is has been bolstered by playing shitburger teams but i think that the mo uh, momentum the motivation that they're pulling from this 10 and 1 record is real right so i mean if, if they played brooklyn for the first 11 games would they currently be 10 and 1 you know probably not the people who you play against matters but now that they've had this success the way that they're viewing themselves, the momentum that that's going to give them, I do believe in. I, I think it has created a title contender. It's like if you are lucky enough in a game and you start off with three or four layups, you know, nice and easy. But then after that, you're feeling yourself and it's a lot easier to play well. I think that's what's going to happen with them. So, yeah, we got to acknowledge it. I mean, you know, they, they haven't played the toughest schedule, but I think that now that they have this success, these better teams better look out because I think the Warriors are in a much better position to keep this going. Did you hear that the other night, Bram? What's that? That take I just gave you? No. When Steph was talking about for 10 years, I've been trying to get him to explain what it feels like to be in the zone. And no, what did he tell you? I didn't hear that. He finally said the other night, he was like, you know, before the game, I'm going over mechanics and all that kind of stuff. And then in the game, if I get two to go, then I start thinking, okay, I got it. I got something going on. And this is the best shooter who's ever lived. So it's 
crazy to think about that he's going over mechanics or that he needs to see a couple of balls go in, right? He doesn't have to go to the foul line. He doesn't have to. He's just watching 35 footers go in. And he sees a couple of those and he goes, okay, yep, it's a night. And I'm just going to start shooting it. And forget about basketball. Forget it. Steph is one of the greatest players ever of drawing a double team and doing the right thing, right? right? Like getting the ball out of it and then creating a four-on-three situation. But at that point, when he sees a couple go in, he says, all right, it's my night. I'm shooting this. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's right. I think that's the zone, which I've never been able to figure out. Marcus, didn't you take a class at Cal where they literally broke down that like getting hot it, it isn't a real thing? There wasn't like a statistics class you told me about or something like that. Yeah, they they say like the you statistically you regress back to the mean that there's no such thing as getting hot. It's just you're making more shots at that time period, but it'll space out and come back. Tell that eventually. professor to go fuck himself. Exactly. Yeah. He needs to talk to Rusty and Steph Curry. He knows absolutely nothing. He probably was a Hawks commentator. Uh, how, does, <laughs> how, how does how does somebody score fifty in one night and ten the next? Exactly. Like it's, yeah. I hope you're listening, professor. Yeah, we have no love for you. Um, Marcus, keep the mic, but Rusty, keep your ears open. And Rusty, I know we're keeping you longer than promised. So if you got to cut after this one, uh, absolutely no problem. So this question was going to come out last week. We're late on it. They've already played Charlotte. We've talked a little bit about LaMelo, but here's why I'm bringing it up now. So the question is going to be, boys, how big of a mistake did the Warriors make by passing up on LaMelo to bring in Wiseman? And, you know, the easy thing, it's a popular topic. Everyone is screaming as good as Wiseman could be. They should have brought in LaMelo. Here's why I'm bringing it up. I brought it up casually to Marcus recently, just in a social setting. We were taking a bike ride and this fool gave me two barrels of, oh, they made the right call. A hundred percent. They should not have drafted LaMelo, which is bananas is the biggest zag I've heard. So MT, explain your position. And then Rusty Maxime, if he's being crazy, I mean, feel free to let him know. But MT, why? Why was it the right call? It was definitely the right call. I think Maddie Stat should give me a point for for this one too. Just no FYI. retroactive Maddie Stat um, points too. Yeah, uh, just because of the fit on defense. So, is Lamelo a flashy player? Yes. Does he inspire you to want to watch him? Yes. Like you you watch Lamelo because you're like he may do a cool play that I haven't seen before. Um, does he fit our style of offense? Absolutely. He would be out there bombing threes and, you know, passing the ball beautifully in our flow system. It'd be great. But as soon as we go down to the other side of the court, it's where it all breaks down. Like he is a terrible defender. We picked on him the entire Charlotte game and um, they lost because of it. So I think the fact that he is so far behind defensively and he doesn't look like he wants to be that engaged to it. It doesn't look like he has the desire like Jordan Poole did to work on that and come back and be a defensive player as well. I think it was absolutely the right call is Wiseman, you know, like great. No, but he hasn't played a lot and we still need to gauge the fit. Um, you know, with, with Steph and with the team. So I think it was absolutely the right call. And um, I think that will bear out in the next few years. Uh, Rusty, this is on you and there's a lot of pressure. So let the record reflect. As I was bringing up the question, this full Maxine was like, oh, shaking his head. Hella just violently, <laughs> like a hundred percent. They should have passed on LaMelo. But then kind of surprisingly, as Marcus was talking, he gave no affirming nods, none. Oh. So I'm not, who knows where, where Maxime is on this. He may have changed his <laughs> mind midstream. Rusty, I can't tell shit for you. It just says your name, Rusty Simmons. So who knows what you're thinking, dude? How crazy was MT right there? Should the Warriors have taken LaMelo if they could go back in time? I'm sure that both Maxime and you know that I'm always going to side with MT. Oh. <laughs> it was the right move. Like, it, it looks terrible right now. LaMelo is a fascinating player. Uh, I think I wrote the other day, like, We've seen Pete Maravich and Magic Johnson, and we've never seen anything like this. Like, he is different. There's no doubt about that. But James Wiseman could change the league, right? Like, he could get it back to a different sort of game. And I'm sorry to keep bringing up Andre Godala, but that's – I usually 
ask the smartest people in basketball what they think and then quote them. And Andre Godala said the other day, like he could change the league. Like he could bring it back to doing this. Um, and I think that's what James Wiseman could do. Like everyone, we don't get to see it. He, he is not the full scrimmage yet. He's not, he just now advanced to like five on O. Uh, he, we got a we got a while like it's not going to be until Thanksgiving or after where we get to see James Wiseman. But the players around him, the the people who know basketball, the great knows great players know players. Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green love James Wiseman. This dude is going to be a player. So this is that's fantastic news. I feel like the reason that I haven't been nodding vigorously to either um, is that like I have more to pile on here, right? I just think there's all there's more reasons. I don't disagree. Well, you can still nod vigorously. I, I mean, you could you could well, like okay, you could look, nod and then add on. But you know, if I nodded vigorously, then there wouldn't be any need for me to speak. I, I would. See, say I'm, I'm nodding right now vigorously because I agree with you. See, fantastic. I'm showing you like wow. yeah, nicely yeah, yeah, yeah. done. I mean, that's why you asked the question is you just wanted us <laughs> to all agree with you clearly. I. I think, you know, we we all know that we would never see this version of LaMelo if he was on the Warriors because he'd be coming off the bench. He wouldn't have the green light that he's got in Charlotte. So there, nobody would be clamoring for him to be this great person. We might all be scratching our heads, you know, wondering why Chris and Peek, um, or wondering why we didn't listen to Chris and Peek, right, who said we should um, uh, uh, take LaMelo, right? But at the same time, He's not going to be fitting into our system nearly as well. And I also want to bring up, I don't know if you guys saw this. He recently um, got pulled and they asked, uh, what's his coach, Brego, they asked him, you know, why did you, um, you know, pull him out of the game? He's like, oh, he's still got some stuff to learn, you know. And then LaMelo got to the podium and basically said like, no, fuck that. I should have been in the whole time. I should have been playing longer. That attitude is the counter to what the Warriors want in their culture and I think it like it speaks volumes that they knew that that's the type of person that they would be getting and that's probably part of why they passed on him I just don't think that he would have nearly been as successful in this environment when he's not been allowed to play as much and he thinks that he should be a star this dude is showing up in a green Lamborghini to opening night for a game that doesn't matter that like he doesn't you know when he's not like a superstar yet it's an insanity in his mind to think that he's as good as he actually is and that would have never worked in Golden State I love here, this passion. Here, I love here. this passion. <laughs> I'd have some shit talking back, but I spent too much time moving my head so I can't speak afterwards. It just is what it is. It's a really <laughs> weird downside. It's just a physical. Was, was it a green Lamborghini? I went with <laughs> uh, yellow. I, I went with highlighter yellow. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was yellow for sure. Oh no, he's um, matching them to his outfits. It's it's bananas out there. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I'm not going to be the turd in this bunch bowl. Um, I love the idea that Wiseman's going to help us. I love the idea that we didn't screw up in the draft and this is not a Charlotte Hornets podcast, so we don't have to go into the why LaMelo Ball is great. Instead, let's go to why Mr. Simmons is great. Rusty, I am not the only one who loves listening to you on this show. I'm also not the only one who needs way more Rusty in my life. Where the hell should I go, man? I'm sure they already know. <laughs> but I hope that everybody gets the print product. That's uh, what we try to do the best. I hope everybody is a San Francisco Chronicle subscriber. Show up at your uh, doorstep every morning. With that, you get uh, online subscriptions to uh, sfchronicle.com. With that comes uh, these podcasts and all kinds of other uh, Twitter nonsense that happens. That's exactly right. And I'm, I'm <laughs> going gonna, gonna to be less sarcastic than I normally am. I am a routine guy, man. I'd freak out if I don't get to do my routines. I'm, I think there's a phrase for it, OCD. And one of the routines is going through the sporting green in the Chronicle on a daily basis. Um, if I don't get to go through your articles, if I don't even just get to look at the box scores, there's something that is tactile uh, and, and satisfying to me in having it. Um, so I couldn't back that suggestion more for us. Here's what I'll pimp. If you want to reach out to us, get us a golden question. Let us know that we did a good job, bad job, any job. Best place to reach us is at our new email address. Where's that at, Maxine? Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Boom. And uh, if you want to check out our shiny new video podcast, which distracted the shit out of me today, but I think is actually fairly solid. And I'm a fan of 
you have to support us on Patreon. We cannot tell you how much we'd appreciate it if you did to do that. Just hop up on Patreon, look at Warriors Huddle, and you can support us for as little as like a dollar a month. And it means the world to us. And if nothing else, you can see my face, Maxime's face, not Marcus's face. You can't see shit through that camera, but an approximation of what Marcus may look like with that in mind. Go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. Good, good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.